Hello, 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 hello. It is another charming day here <laughs> on Morocco as we look at Krakoa next to one of our lovely moons. Hey, sis Krakoa. It's us. Hey, it's me again. Krakoa Radio. Hey, you raggedy hoes. <laughs> oh, God. Decrepit, wilting garden having ass bitches. These we're niggas like aren't even y'all. immortal and have to resurrect themselves. Ugh. Right. Yeah. We're like a to be a country of bisexuals. Imagine having sexuality. Couldn't be. Made. Imagine letting your enemies live. Right. We have real laws. They don't have real laws in their country because they're poor. Mm-hmm. It's ran. Their, their country is ran by Bob Dole. Imagine not having no magic. Imagine having mutants that pass for human. Ugh. Ugh. Ew. Yeah. Imagine, and imagine wow. having and imagine having alpha level mutants on your council. <laughs> wow. Imagine being Eurocentric. Oh, your entire country's full of white people. <laughs> That's weird. Wow. Like 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 Latveria. On a list of places out of ethical states and not Krakoa. I'm oh, sorry, we have we are plenty. There are there are plenty of places in I feel like Madripoor is a better country than fucking Latveria. Hello. <laughs> Power to the people. You know what's really an ethno state? At Nuatilla. Oh my god. I just so like I just finished reading in Humans versus X Men this week, which was actually really good. Um because yeah, I, because the mutants are clapping the ass the entire first half. Oh, that's for the first issue where they clapped Black Bolt with Dazzler. Oh man, yeah, man. Yeah, I, I love, I love, a, I love a scheme. I love a scheme set up by Todd because it was amazing. Listen, listen, listen. When Storm put that boat in the back of Beast because he was on some uppity shit, I loved it. I came. <laughs> He's trying to be all peaceful and shit. Fuck these. These all trying to be fucking peaceful all of a sudden. You get down or you lay down. You lay down, you stay down. Like that's just what it is. But it was it was good though. I was I, I was actually really impressed. But like it's like it, it took Miss Marvel to realize that her people ain't shit. And and, and the real gag is the real gag is that like Medusa wanted to quit her job and wanted the mutants to be the ones helping to quit her job. We see you, sis. Kamala is, um, or Kamala is um, the one and only inhuman that Marvel conveniently forgets as an inhuman very often. But I like Mosaic and I like Karnak. That's the weird thing about them. Karnak is a really interesting character. And it's not uh-huh. power, but an ability. His ability is just nice to me. Mm-hmm, I agree. Um, all right, so welcome to Krakoa Radio. Oh yeah, introductions. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. We 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 have sideline. We got sideline. I'm sorry. I am your host, Just Sex Henry, with my fellow co-host, Black Word. Hello, you beautiful people. It's me, the villain. <laughs> Here at Table Dusk, where everything is brighter, magical, and follows a rule. Wow. Also, my fellow co-host, the Wind God Vate. Happy Reason Q, the peaceful one, the same one, but they don't like that, so 
I'm going to have to, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to get a little chaotic on y'all. <laughs> and the legendary I Wish a Bitch Would, Esquire, the doctor, beacon, beacon of the hour, Dr. Showtime. Um, your favorite top is here. We um, sit upon table of, of dusk or dawn. Sorry, I'm at the wrong table. Um, Don't for me. At the table of dawn. And um, we are the winner's table. Be reminded. Amen. All right. So today, niggas, we are recording and we are doing Inferno number three and the final heartbreaking issue of Hellions. We are so sorry to see Hellions go. Hellions, we love you. We all know the scheme set up by Todd. So, you know, none of us are going to take it personal. We're going to get through this show together as one happy family. And we are also doing a lovely uh, second party later. There's going to be a little bit of like, you know, let's think about some shit. See what the tea is on, on, on the topic that just happened. So, we are doing Inferno number three first. All right. So, I am right. taking that. On Inferno number three. <sighs> this is the third issue of the end of Hickman's run uh, on the X-Men. Uh, so we open up with a rehashing from uh, House of X Powers of Ten, uh, where uh, Cypher is dropped off on Krakoa uh, by Professor X to sort of set up um, the communication system with Krakoa itself. Uh, as part of that, uh, Cypher goes through his own uh, plans of his uh, goes through plans of his own and has Krakoa partially incorporate uh, Warlock uh, into itself uh, so that it has a secondary sort of nervous system that is actually Warlock uh, so that then nothing is hidden on uh, the island. Um, the uh, the setup of that is sort of explained that Krakoa eats a little bit of Warlock. Warlock um, then becomes incorporated with uh, the island as it as Warlock consumes uh, some other shit. Um, and then when uh, the we're shown that the very first uh, mutants that were resurrected were actually the two uh, deceased cuckoos uh, to help set up uh, sort of a uh, neural network. Um, and then Cypher goes about explaining the things that he has set up uh, on Krakoa, how the uh, flowers for the gates, the flowers for um, habitats uh, work. And then we discover that he had Krakoa create a third type of flower or Krakoa created a third type of flower um, that is specific for um, the no places. Uh, we see Cypher has a conversation with Beast about um, some sort of plan that Beast gave uh, Cypher to have Krakoa go about in order to create some of these flowers uh, so that then they can sort of solve some of the problems of uh, setting up Krakoa in the first place uh, to allow for transportation. Um, then we see that um, Cypher has actually been using the neural network that he set up inside of Krakoa with Warlock to spy on everything that Moira and uh, Professor X and Magneto have been planning. So he is fully aware of everything that happens on the island and nothing is hiding from him. Um, 
then we go in to see uh, that uh, Emma Frost had summoned Mystique and Destiny. Um, and then there's like a funny exchange as uh, Mystique and Destiny came to uh, Emma's home uh, that the cuckoos are there. Um, and they uh, essentially say that they're uh, fully interchangeable, that there's no differences between them. And then of course, Destiny and Mystique throw shade at them. Uh, because it was well-deserved. Uh, we see Emma uh, is sitting down and having a conversation with um, our favorite lesbian uh, couple of chaos. Um, and then she explains that um, she has sort of copied uh, Moira's memories that she was allowed to read earlier and shows them to Destiny and Mystique, shows them specifically, I think it's Moira's, is it Life 3 or Life 4? Uh, where uh, Destiny basically has Pyro murder her. Um, and S Destiny had no idea that this had happened. Uh, so she finds that odd and now is very suspicious of everything going on. Um, and it looks like uh, the girls, our favorite lesbian couple and our favorite white bitch, um, halfway team up uh, to come up with a plan. Uh, we see Moira going through a portal into her off-island safe house. Um, and then as she's roaming the streets, she is captured by, is this Orcus or is this somebody else? Yeah. It's Orcus? Yeah. yeah. Okay. She's captured by Orcus and teleported uh, to their base. Uh, then uh, Magneto and Professor X uh, find out that Moira has been kidnapped and then they go after her. Um, and they have a cute little like boyfriend boyfriend moment where Magneto puts him in a, a sphere and drags him along with him uh, to fight some shit. Uh, then we pan over to the Orcus Forge. They have rebuilt the mother mold um, into the uh, the forge, and uh, Omega Sentinel Karima and Nimrod are having a conversation. Uh, this particular Karima uh, admits to Nimrod that she is actually from the future and came back in time to sort of uh, expedite the process of defeating the mutants. Um, it's uh, revealed that the children of the vault are actually defeated um, if everything, if uh, everything as part of this uh, timeline had gone forward without her coming back. Um, the humans would have been defeated by the mutants and the mutants would have supplanted the humans, um, including the children of the vault that uh, Apocalypse, his children and his badass wife uh, defeat by themselves. Um, we see that in several of the timelines, uh, the or one of the timelines, the phalanx comes and uh, the mutants capture the powers of the phalanx. Uh, same thing with incorporating the Omega Sentinel as part of uh, the Phalanx, and she ends up coming back in time to sort of expedite the process of Nimrod um, becoming successful and defeating them. Uh, we get one of those timeline maps like we had in House of X, Powers of Ten uh, with uh, Moira's life, uh, but this is explaining Moira's life 10 and the, the potential vari variations in it um, because uh, Karima has come back in time. She uh, admits that she is fully 
uh, incorporated as uh, an omega sentinel um, and that the human being that used to be in there is no longer in there. Um, we see that uh, as uh, Magneto and Professor X make it into the Orcus space that they got to, that uh, all of the Orcus uh, folks had been defeated. And we pan to a scene where we see uh, Mystique and Destiny uh, having uh, evidently tortured Moira. We see Moira's severed arm uh, and Mystique apparently had taken her off to somewhere else that looks to be uh, Moira's no place. Uh, Nimrod and uh, Omega Sentinel teleport into the base with a, a group of uh, more Orcus soldiers, and that is how we wrap up this issue. Thoughts, comments, critiques, concerns. Yeah, I just wanted to point out one thing I actually just noticed. Those aren't just Orcus soldiers. There's shield there, too. Yes, I just looked at that. Well, is it like, like... But it's like, it's not like a mixture, though, because it's like people that defected from S.H.I.E.L.D. and went to... Right, Orcus, yeah, because I was about to say the same thing, too. Yeah, because I know it, it was I know like... That they, there's some people who did, like, drop off into Orcus, but they're wearing their S.H.I.E.L.D. badges. I mean, cops don't give a shit. They mm. really don't. Because it's like S.H.I.E.L.D., it's um, AIM, it's a couple of other different people that defected to Orcus. Like, well, it Alpha, makes up what, like... Because Alpha Flight 2, like, they're part of Orcus too. Yeah. And Hydra, oh, all, all the girls. Yeah, all the girls. All the girls that put away their differences to get rid of mutants. That is racist. The the Avengers are about to join Orcus soon, too. So I would not be shocked. Mean Guardians. And oh, no, don't, don't say that. We take that back. We don't mean that. I want y'all to do a Civil War three. We're good, Marvel. Thanks. Yeah, because we I already truly hope they do a Civil War three, but it's more so a lot more heroes aligning with Coca-Cola against Orcus. I right. sincerely hope the Civil War three that they do is one that is not so vague about like where the lines you should align with. It's just admitting like the actual civil war that one side potentially might just be the right one. It's not and like they about oh, to do Avengers versus no. X Men two point Don't nobody want that. Nobody right. wants that. Like the Avengers, Avengers versus X Men the first time was fine. We don't need another. Yeah. Um... I'm don't bring know. hope around. We don't need Wanda 2.0 mixed with uh, hope again. We don't need none of that. We're good. The Phoenix can want, stay with Echo and leave us alone. If they want to fix the issue that everyone has with the Avengers fundamentally, which is the issue that the Avengers have done nothing for almost like what, 60 years or one time in regards to the X-Men problem and the mutant issues going on. I think they will need to do a major event where Earth proper sides with Coca-Cola and actually fights against Orcus. Because I think the conversation we're having as a country and as a world itself is that you can't just be a passive ally. You have to actually do shit. Um, I can already imagine several people sidelining, siding with uh, Coca-Cola. I don't know about Doctor Strange. I gotta see where the death of Doctor Strange goes. Because I'm like, 1960s Doctor Strange, 
definitely isn't siding with mutants. Um, but it's not going to be up to him soon. It's going to be up to whoever replaces him. Brother Voodoo would side with mutants. I'm just saying that fundamentally, he mm-hmm. seems like he's not with the shits about that. He's always respected Storm. Um, he's always been on the side of people with powers being respected in general. Um, he cared for Wanda, even though she is categorically um, the problem, but he wasn't so much that he was just, let's erase everything that happened. He was like, let's address your mental health issues, and then we can discuss how accountability works for you, but also like helping you get over the fact that you are, you were the problem at one point without having to be a monster in your existence, which is, I think, the responsible answer to someone like Wanda. You did that. Let's address it, but let's not let that define you. I have not said fuck Wanda Maximoff today. You're welcome. You have not. We are so generous. Thank Look you. Look at us. I'll say um, it for you. Fuck Wanda Maximoff. So are we are are are, are we going to talk about? Uh, go ahead, Vonda. Von, uh, <laughs> I was going to uh, co-sign with uh, Showtime. Peacefully, Wanda can go to hell. Peacefully, wow. Vonda <laughs> <laughs> well, said, "Hate this sin, not this sin." Well, I'm, I'm doing it on purpose because he's the one that said he's on this. He's on this peaceful kick and stuff like that for the brand. I was like, okay, I'm steal that from him. Let's just steal that. I'm gonna say this peacefully. Go to hell. I need to. I need. I need to hold on to that because I feel like somebody will deserve to hear that. Peacefully, get fucked by a demon. Right, right. <laughs> just, just a fucking mess. And I kind of like. I, I'm kind of glad we got an explanation about like what happened to Karima Shapander. Like, I'm it's really sad. glad. We had, but it's just like technically, like she didn't like technically turn evil. She was hijacked. Yeah, and that's sad. That's even sad. Yeah. Like Karima's whole storyline is just really sad. Like imagine you yeah. being a POC and you get hijacked by basically white supremacy as a robot and right. you get turned against other marginalized people. That's unfortunate. Sis deserved better than this. She went through all that growth yeah. and that's been volume four. And now inevitably you became the Omega Sentinel anyway. Whereas you're bald. Right. And and, and you didn't have a choice in either. So like I would have respected it more. Like, you know, by her, like, you know, actually um, switching over to, like, to Orcus on her own. But she basically was, like, reprogrammed by a future version of herself. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, which is, like, bullshit. Like, you didn't get the opportunity even, like, you know. But it, but the good thing is, the mutants did win. But I'm still trying to figure out what yes. this whole... I think, I think, I think, I think Karima is the whole in time. Mm-hmm. If they can, if they can get rid of her and fix her, or get her out the way, the timeline will go go its course, go go like where it's supposed to go, and the mutants win. Because she said even that the only reason that um, Nimrod doesn't win in her timeline is because she didn't come back, so she came back to fix that. If you get rid right. of her ass, bye. And at the same time, um, get rid of Moira. Also, we don't need her. Well, I think you that's know, the most terrifying part about like what the situation with Orcus is currently is that they're saying that we're learning by watching the mutants. And in this moment, they literally ripped a page out of their books. They pulled a full Days of Futures Past and sent Karima in the back. And, and with like, you know, stereotypically, it's the X-Men who do this. And they have done it for right. a few reasons why they survived this long. So now we're going to take everything that they have ever done and we're going to do it against them. And I'm like, that's terrifying. 
and it's showcasing right now you know in these sci-fi movies where they go like the worst thing you can possibly face is a human being because we adapt and i think with the context of the mutants realizing that these humans are adapting i, I really appreciate right. just like out Ewing and the entirety of the x office who contributed to the story probably like their attention to like what would realistically be the most dangerous thing that they can do like if say we're on the side of orcus how will we handle this and it's like just right. do everything you will logistically do to win a war even if you know you will cheat to do it yeah and and they and and and, and it's giving very much republican versus democrats like mm. orcas doing everything that they possibly can they don't give a fuck they pull no punches and they are organized and aligned Krakoa is unraveling very slowly like very slowly like it's and i think that like you know while clearly we like because like, like us losing never really made sense at the stage of where we are because this is the only timeline that we technically haven't seen in the future but that kind of like how they parlay moore's lifetime number six which was the which was the lifetime we saw in power of the 10 was that was a future timeline the timeline we existed in but it still wasn't like john hickman sir Hats off to you. This is great writing. You did an amazing job. We're sucked in. I like for you to tell your little friend that's doing a trial of Joseph. Stop it. Stop it. No. No. Should we be a little Stop nicer it. to Leo Williams? I've been thinking about that. Um, some what? part of me wants to be a little kinder to her just off the fact that I'm like, the prodigy thing turned out terrible. You're the only writers ever attempted, though. I don't dislike Leah Williams. I think I think I think like what Leah Williams did with 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 X Force. I'm sorry, X Factor was everything. I and and I was like in the minority where like I didn't have an issue with the Prodigy story, but I just like but the trial of Magneto is really really frustrating. And I really hope that like when we get to the to the end of it, that it was it it, it it's some really good plot twists and some bullshit that happened that that makes you forgive everything that happened in the other four issues. But right now, we can like, girl, pray, I don't but we know. know typically, we know there's nothing that she can pull except something. It has to be something catastrophically that shakes the very foundation of the X books in the future for us to look at everything that happened in Child of Joseph and go, "This is okay. This is great. <laughs> we can consider this as a thing." The only right. way that they're gonna be able to pull that off is if Hope is the one that actually did all of this shit. So I finally, finally a, red, a redhead on the on the job finally, child. Cause Jean Grey is on the That's it. That's the only way because hope is so uh, Im- uh, important to the resurrection protocols that Krakoa doesn't work if hope is not there. Though and you I'm, can't replace her, but right. Still, can you really though? I feel like hope. Yeah, you can replace Hope fundamentally with Sync or anyone like that. But I feel like the role that Hope plays as the mutant messiah and as I know you don't like talking about the five lights, I think does something to the process that might be integral a little bit. Um, but returning fundamentally back to like Inferno, I wanted to just address the excellence uh, that is the five and one, which is the separate cuckoos getting more light now. There's something about a good prophecy, you know, looking at these girls in their face and going, girl, one of you is going to die and not be able to come back. Two of you going to get a man, you're going to get an old man. And the three, who really cares? One of you going to be bitter about it. Figure it out a bit. Figure it out amongst yourselves. You're annoying me. 
I just, I like that there's the five who were the first ones to come back and meet the five. I like that it was the separate cuckoos being acknowledged as the, yeah, they're the first mutant circuit, really. Like, they operate just naturally like that. And that's why we chose them to come back first was because they can tell us what the process is like. Right. Um, but in just discussing, like, I think the Reign of X and the Dawn of X storyline can really be said to be doing the most justice for the separate cuckoos because they're always working and they're always doing something. But fundamentally, what they represent in the conversation of Krakoa, it feels like Inferno is working towards something larger. And I really appreciate them taking these mutants whose powers, like, straight up, Inferno is not about mutants with splash powers. It's all about the mutants with very subtle abilities that matter a lot to what Krakoa needs to do. Um, taking right. a shine and going, we need to change the status quo of the things we're doing because something we're not learning and it's causing issues. We need destiny back because she will force us to know. We need the uh, five and one. We need the separate cuckoos because they are our present and they represent that. Um, and Doug Ramsey being centered with Warlock as a representative yeah. of yeah. With the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm really glad that we that we are getting Doug Doug Ramsey to being the like you know the wild card in this story because like I think no one saw that coming. I also um, I, I'm I think like all of us in this group can agree. Like, what is more scared of involving Destiny? I really don't like like what what is, what is the tea, daughter? I still think that she a coon. <laughs> I still think she's a coon. She's very, she's very much a coon. Cause I'm like, you're not gonna sit there and make this damn, uh, this damn concoction or whatever you want to call it, to cure mutant kind, and then you turn around. Destiny tells you, I'm not, you're not gonna make this, you're not gonna put this out there because they're gonna use you and abuse you. You're a mutant too, so you know, you know the whole spiel. And then I really feel like she's threatened because she knows that Destiny isn't going to play no games with her. She knows that she she has that in the back of her mind, that she knows about this damn whatever she made to cure mutant kind, and she's not about to have that. So, I don't know. Yeah. Myra X is a weird situation in that Destiny should be the least, the mutant you should not fear. It should be a friendship. Something happened. I'm always trying to piece together what in these storylines isn't making sense. And they're saying like, oh, it's because what happened in Lifetime 3. I don't think so. I think it has more to do with something that happened along the other Lifetimes. Um, even I don't really believe what happened in Lifetime 2. Like, she died um, spontaneously in an airplane going down on the way to see Xavier. There's something about that that doesn't, just doesn't fix. And the other question that I have is, okay, so what happened? to say destiny and these other lifetimes why is it that we're only paying attention to destiny here and we're not saying like you were afraid of her from the start that carried over at least seven other times that you're still terrified of her you've lived millennia and you are still terrified of this one woman you met nearly a millennia ago this one blind old woman <laughs> that you met a millennia ago not her not her wife not the blue-skinned woman not anyone else other than her. Something had to have gone down in at least two or three other wide times. That explains why fundamentally a core facet of what it means to be Myra is to be afraid of destiny. 
Well, shit. Maybe she's scared she get barbecued again. I would be. <laughs> I'm sure that doesn't. I'm sure that doesn't feel good. But who else killed her? Like you know, Wolverine killed her in one lifetime. She was murdered by Sentinels in another. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to like run through all the deaths that I know. I think Nimrod killed her in one. Um, basically, every lifetime. Mm-hmm. Sorry, she died. She died in that Sentinel attack where they had the mutant Utopia or whatever. She mm-hmm. died there. So I don't. I don't know what else would happen. In each of those, she died to humans, and that still somehow the time she died by mutant hand, destiny, is a thing that she sticks with. And she didn't just, it's like, it's not even just like the death at the hands of Pyro. She was set on fire, and yet Pyro is still around. It's specifically something about destiny. I'm like, there's something else here going on. There's another piece of the puzzle that they're not talking about, or at least Myra isn't talking about. Um, and I know it's very popular just to not trust Myra, but there's something fundamental about, like, say, how often Destiny flexes on telepaths. Like, is she just does it for fun at this point, but it's important that she does it. And it tells a message that even when you know what all the pieces on the table are capable of doing, it doesn't mean you know what will happen. And I think that's something in that that plays into how all those other lifetimes went. I'm specifically looking at the lifetime where Myra assassinated every possible or potential enemy of mutant kind. And she oh, still so ended up with the, failure. Oh, so you're talking about when she killed everybody linked to uh, Boulevard Trask? Yeah, she killed everyone linked to okay. Boulevard Trask. She made a list of everyone she needed to take out that could stop the Sentinels from rising, and she still right, failed. Right. And she said something about that fundamentally is inhibiting her. And she was like, that was why I know that I need to unite all of mutant kind, again, under one banner, not pick one side, but pick every side. And yet she still went, except for that bitch Destiny. Could it just be that uh, Mora has not positive plans, uh, like nefarious plans afoot, and Destiny's the only person who would be able to catch her in that shit? I think so. I suspect that's why. And I think it goes into a core tenant. I don't trust Myra. She's a white woman. Um, so by default, you know, I look at her and go, there's something under your sleeve. You know, there's something there. But you, you have something there and you're not letting us know anything about it. And that means that you are conniving and evil. Um, I'm so sorry, sweetie. I also want to know what happened in that first lifetime. She just like, got old and died. No, she got old and died. What happened to mutants in that lifetime? Oh, she doesn't right. talk about it. She doesn't like say like, "Oh, my first lifetime, like everything happened normal." Like, it can't have. But like, the X Men couldn't probably possibly have potentially risen up without you, and so many other things couldn't possibly have happened. And yet, you're still fascinated by this idea of doing something in that way, um, that mirrors lifetime two forward. There's a lot going on with the lifetimes of Myra that is just going to hurt my brain. Um, if I keep going down that rabbit hole. But I just want to say um, shout outs to Black Icon Warlock, um, Warlock Andre Jamal Washington, is his full name, uh, for simply understanding the fundamental fact of the universe never trust white men and never trust Charles Xavier. Exactly. Yeah, shout out to the Icon. Shout out to Warlock. Love him. He be peeping. He peeped. He peeped. He said, you know, I felt those kind of way. When you marry Bay, like there's something about that, and it was. 
And I suspected, you know, Charles Xavier from the start, homeboy always got things spinning on his little fucking plates from Illuminati backwards. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. But okay, I guess it's safe to move on to Hellions 18. Yes, on Hellions 18. Sadly, Take it, Bob. All right. Sadly, my favorite group of roughnecks, mutant roughnecks. But it's upsetting me and my homegirl, but we're going to get through this. <laughs> All right, so we start off this issue with the Quiet Council discussing the incident in Arizona with the Orphan Maker killing those um, two humans. And the council brings up the law of killing no humans, and they want um, the humans to understand that they take these laws seriously. But Nightcrawler kind of intervenes and he's like, you know, he asks, does, you know, these rules apply to a child? And then Mystique kind of corrects him and says that he's stunted, but he's still biologically and uh, uh, psychologically, he's still a man. So um, Sinister, he's real antsy about throwing the Hellions um, into the pit. He says he puts his cape up, for, he, he put his cape on for this. He put his cape on for this. And Emma says that, um, you caked up to um, so to help them make a decision on what's going to be done, and then we pan over to see the Hellions are in chains. So we go back to earlier in Arizona, where the X Men meet up with the Hellions to take in Orphan Maker. Psylocke and Havoc they're kind of speaking up for him. You know, they're like, you know, he's, you know, they want to avoid that type of, you know, that type of approach because he's scared. Cyclops is like, I'm not, you know, I wish there was something else that we could do, but it's a, um, an international incident and we have to take him like ASAP. So um, Cyclops like, you know, I want to assure that we're not going to throw him in the hole, I mean, throw him in the pit. And then Cyclops once again says he wish there was something he could do, but they need to step aside. And then Great Crow tells Cyclops to fuck off and then he chin checks, chin checks his ass. So there's a little bit of a scuffle between the Hellions and, and the X-Men. Um, you have uh, a wild child. He jumps in, cuts Laura in her face because he puts his hands on his mama Psylocke. You don't touch mama Psylocke while, he, while he's around. You don't do that. Um, Great Crow, he's charging at um, Cyclops with his gun and he's about to blow his head off. And then next thing you know, everybody's mood changes. Everybody except for um, Psylocke. And then you pan over to see Empath using his abilities on basically everybody to calm the situation down and I guess make them compliant. So we go back to the Quiet Council and Xavier's like, you know, if it wasn't for, you know, Empath, um, if it wasn't for Empath's um, intervention, you know, you know, this could have been real bad, all of this stuff. Sinister changes the subject to kind of rush the Hellions into the pit because he wants to get he wants to get rid of them like real quick. So uh hold on, where are we at? Uh, Magneto, he um he asks, why are you so quick to want to put them in the hole? And then Sinister on his bullshit brings up um the respect he um they went against the respect the land law and they were harboring the um the AI baby on Kokoa and the attack on the X-Men and they need to be thrown in the hole. And then he decides to, which for, I don't know for what reason, he 
decides to walk up on Psylocke and basically say, um, you're an unfit mother in shackles, something to that extent. And then next thing you know, Kawan and commences to kick in his ass. So Xavier tries to intervene saying, you know, you're a war captain, but you know, you have some leeway, but don't, you know, Storm cuts him off. She's like, no, let him finish beating his ass. Exodus is like, you know, I agree with her. And um, basically, Sinister gets his teeth knocked out. He screams about barbarism. This is assault on the council. And Emma says that he's a distraction and that he winds up getting uh, muzzled. Fast forward past that. Um, the council all agree that Orphan Maker is, is guilty of, you know, the highest crime. And um, they go ahead and sentence Orphan Maker to the pit. Nightcrawler jumps in once again and tries to fight with compassion and says that the, the Hellions are important to himself uh, are important to himself and to Krakoa because they represent the mutants that you know they don't dispose of because they're bothersome, something to that effect. And um, Orphan Maker's violence should be seen as a sickness that needs to, you know, that needs to be healed. And Magneto and Xavier look at each other and they're like, I mean, that's cute, but the nigga's still going in the pit. So, you know. You just going to get used to that. <laughs> so Grey Crow, um, he gets emotional, which is interesting seeing uh, Grey Crow get emotional like this over um, Orphan Maker. So he says that, you know, we'll, we're going to find a way to get you out of there. And then Nanny pops up like, what the fuck are y'all doing? She demands that Orphan Maker be set free. And then Emma, she, she chimes in. She's like, you know, you were resurrected, but don't, don't get it twisted. You st you're still facing charges for bringing that baby on Kokoa. And then um, Nanny's like, what does that have to do with, you know, Peter? And then she informs him on what Peter did. And then Nanny says, well, go ahead and throw him in the pit, but I'm going to go with him. So Xavier, um, Xavier says that the pit is orphan makers alone, and Nanny says that that's his mother. I mean, she's his mother, and if they get if they get in the way, that she'll kill humans in the name of Kokoa. Basically, have the blood of uh, the sea run red with the blood of humans, and then she interest <laughs> interestingly she drops uh, Kate's mom's location, and then my um, Kate's like, you know, well, why am I in it? You like see how I get thrown and stuff? I ain't even did nothing. In the words of Mimi Leaks. <laughs> so um, let me see. Um, Nanny says that she won't fail him again. And um, she comforts Orphan Maker as they're um, being pulled into the pit. And basically, that's how that whole situation ends. And the Hellions basically uh, disbands. And Grey Crow mentions that. Um, it doesn't feel like home to him anymore, and this probably never was a home for people like them. So we get to um, the days to come, and we see Empath gets, um, we see Empath getting basically a mouthful from the original Hellions. They're talking all types of shit to him, and one of them saying they're going to cut his face open and do all types of crazy shit to him, and he kind of uses his power to change their mood and they're all excited to see him and they miss him and shit like that, but he has a sad look on his face. So I guess that's indicating that he misses his old his old crew, the Hellions, which Impact is weird. I'm sorry, that nigga's weird. He's weird. Um, 
Gray Cross hiding in the tree. He's ready to um, he's ready to shoot Empath, and then Psylocke, uh, She's like, you know, don't go. She's like, don't. She she's like, don't take it there. She's like, you don't need to do that. Um, and I guess he was the story gets his ass out the tree. Um, we get to the healing gardens. Wild Child sits and talks to um, talks with uh, Cecilia Rave. Um, Cecilia, she's like. You can continue to go on with these violent impulses, or you can take this pill two times a day and get clarity. And then uh, Wild Child, without hesitation, takes the pill and lays his ass down. Um, we get to the East domiciles. I think that's what that is. I think that's what that was. And um, Cyclops is talking to Havoc about the incident in Brooklyn. And um, he was like, I don't like the fact that you, you know, you're you're basically being a pawn, all of this stuff for Emma. But um, and then he also mentions the fact that resurrecting Ma uh, Madeline Pryor came with certain complications, basically Jean Grey being one of them. And he says that um, Emma kind of got the um, resurrection uh, thing smoothed out for him. So Cyclops takes Havoc to this whatever this room is. And it looks like the mirrors are floating on the room, and then you have Mad um, Madeline Pryor standing in front of them with um, her old jumper on back from back in the day, and he's all happy to see her and gives her a hug. And she was he's, he mentions the fact that um, she's back because of him, and then for some reason she kind of like she goes into this like this 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 dark ass mood or whatever the hell it was, and she say like. Oh, I was brought back because of another summers, and you didn't consider my feelings and all this shit. And then Havoc's like, "Girl, what the fuck is wrong with you?" So <laughs> she's like, "Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I got, you know, I got, um, you know, I zoned out for a second or whatever the fuck she said." So they agree to have drinks, and she pines back around to finish getting ready. And you see her in her goblin um, queen costume. So then we go from that to the White Palace. We get. Um, Emma and Magneto discussing Sinister. Emma saying her favorite thing to do is frustrate Sinister and refers to him as a cancer. And then Magneto agrees and says, says it's a shame that he's able to walk free. This, and despite all of their power, they're still a small, a small nation. And one thing a cancer does um, is grow. And then it pans over to Sinister standing in front of like these um, holographic images of Cyclops, Jean, Storm, and then Nightcrawler and um, Wolverine. So basically he's coming up with some type of plan to use their DNA. That's gonna be one hell of a mutant or a chimera, one of the two. Um, and then we get to this final um, page in the book and you see this little cute moment with um, Kawan and Grey Crow. They have an intimate moment about um, what Grey Crow would do next. He says he wants to cook and probably open up a place and mentions how Kawana looks at him and like she sees good in him and um, he may never be the same. And then she gives him this look like she all in love and holds his hand and they're looking into the sunset and that's how Hellion's Eighth Room ends. So thoughts? Um, yeah. I have I have several thoughts. Um, Sinister is starting to hit that sweet spot. Now he's starting to get on my nerves. Exactly. Like, mm -hmm. it, it, it's like it's not. It's like you know, you know, because like cause now, Sissy Bobby's in the house. We don't mm -hmm. need Sinister anymore. 
um, we like to thank we like to thank Dr. Showtime for for the term sissy Bobby. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like it was a good <laughs> issue. Like I, I think, like I really feel for Gray Crow the most, and then secondarily, I feel for Empath because thing about Empath is I think he's been a pawn and through through part of this, and because he has allegiance to Emma, and he's not like really like nothing. No one's really defending him, so he's kind of like left in like the obnoxious. Does he need defending though? That's my question. Because the whole thing about empath is that he's clinically a sociopath, right? Like he is full right. out unable to feel sympathy for anyone or, or resolve his abilities in a way that requires cohabitation. Um, and throughout this entire run, I don't think he's ever for one moment had a glimmer until he was ousted from the group from doing something. Um, I don't know, I feel like him feeling bad is kind of springing up out of nowhere, kind of just to give some level of catharsis in the story for like how he's been because he's never shown himself to be like, I actually just want to fit in and I want people to like me for liking me. Um, I think it's potentially just because he had to spend so long with people who, yeah, he could make them like him. And yet at the same time, he couldn't for so long. I think that's the angle I'm going to go with in my mind for why he's feeling that way is the fact that he has realized that, yeah, I've actually only ever forced people to like me and no one's actually have. And then these people who potentially were like me because legit Cray Crow murdered a bunch of people, a bunch of mutants. He was a terrible person. And yet he found some level of acceptance with his group. Truth be told, it should have been the group he fit he fitted in with, but he didn't. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know if I feel bad for you, baby, because you still, in the end, did what you did. Um, I will say that potentially he stopped the fight for their own good. So right. it's very conflicting. It's conflicting things with impact. I feel like for me to really give him sympathy, though, or for him to earn sympathy, he needs another run where they take everything that just happened and like, kind of shuffle it in to the deck of what's going on in the future. Right. I mean, it's, I, yeah, I, I agree with that. And I'm, and I'm really hoping that that they like they throw Grey Crow and Magipur. I think the thing that I'm learning that with some of the villains or like former villains is that like they need their own spaces to exist because like some of them some of them can really adapt to their Kokoa lifestyle with like a support system, but a lot of the villains are not each other's support system. Like especially like when you see with like the mutant, the mutant liberation front front and them being in the Academos habitat and and they really can't be bothered with the rest of them fucking kids. Like girl like. Y'all out here, like, you know, learning how to use synergy child. I've killed people. We mm-hmm. real thugs over here. Like, I don't know what the fuck. Like, I don't know why we I'm real lethal. Here. Right, we real <laughs> lethal. Y'all really don't, y'all don't do shit but run from demon bears. I, I, I'm sitting there taking down government organizations. Like, mm-hmm. leave me alone. It's real out there in the Coca-Cola streets. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference between, like, Lee resurrected the Genosian mutants. Like, that was, like, I think it was, like, the Second issue in the current uh, New Mutants run where they were like, oh, Scout was trying to sympathize with the Genosian. She's like, yeah, remember we were in that alternate reality where friends? And like, baby, I don't remember that. And you seem kind of soft, even though Scout logistically is the most lethal motherfucker there. But yeah. she's still yeah. a cutesy little girl and she likes to be really adorable. But she's like, I've murdered like a few dozen people already in my right. lifetime. But looking at the Genosian mutants, how they act in comparison to other children is very militaristic. And they're very much like that. And so it was important, potentially, that this Hellion experiment work out 
but it was pointed from the start just to monitor Sinister and see if they can trust them. And Doug can't. Like the cutesy, him being like ultimate camp icon, drag queen, Sinister was always just a play. Because he's like, he's still the very creepy, very conniving, Nazi evil dude that he's always been. It's just that they're using him. Right. I think the one thing that I did like that they addressed in this book, mostly the Nightcrawler, um, was going back to the Krakoan laws. And I know we all discuss the Krakoan laws quite often, but um, <laughs> I know we. <laughs> For explanation, Sorry. Henry just changed his photo. Yeah, yes. Whoever this lady is, Lord. Um, so anyway, <laughs> Blackbird right is really going through. I think that I think he needed that laugh because he is really going through. So like, so the so the photo I have up is uh is of Jesse Nelson trying to talk Jamaican. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I can't. <laughs> but oh, I know. We, I know we discussed the Krakoa laws a lot, but um, <laughs> I know we discussed the Krakoa laws a lot, but um, I, I'm glad that Nightcrawler kind of came in and brought up like the question about like how do those laws um, kind of fit with people that have sort of like the like developmental issues or mental health issues. It's like with Orphan Maker being a prime example, you know, he kind of operates like mentally on the level of a, like a, like a kid. So right. it's, so it's like, how do those laws kind of like fit to people with people on Krakoa with those type of issues, you know, or not like issues, but you get what I'm saying. But it's like, um, the laws are very, very like vague. It doesn't go into like, kind of like what, like what classifies as, you know, I mean, it's, it's evident, like kill no human stuff like that. But it's like, is there any exception to the rule, like of any kind, you know? And that's the no real humans thing. in self-defense, as an example. Exactly. Like if a if a human is like trying to take your life, like, you know, basically just like any like any random mutant, like if I kill like say for instance, I'm a mutant, you know, I'm walking the street, I'm minding my business, and then somebody that for some reason knows I'm a mutant tries to attack me and tries to take my life, am I not supposed to defend myself or in any sort of way, or be I'm just supposed to take it because we have a resurrection protocol. You know I think that's the insinuation is that if you were able to resurrect, then why wouldn't you? But I, I'm also looking at the point that so many mutants are also still afraid. Like WizKid, it's like, I don't, I don't want to resurrect because it's a frightening idea to die. I've defined my life on my survival and my survival instinct. Like at the zenith of that being Storm and her refusal, like I can always resurrect and fix all my problems. That's not what my life has been about. That's not who I am as a person. That's not what I stand for. And that's why Apocalypse is like, that's the kind of bitch I fuck with. It's literally just that idea that even though you can die and come back, it does not mean that that should be what you, your existence should be. It means that you should fight tooth and nail to keep the life you have. And I think, I feel like I want to say the council 
if it was a situation like that, if he had only gone in and killed someone out of self-defense because his life was put in jeopardy, and though he has the power of resurrection, it doesn't change the fact that this person tried to do this to me and I was protecting myself on instinct, no matter what, if he had the resurrection protocols. I feel like the council will look at that and go, actually, we're going to give you the amnesty. Like if Prodigy killed old dude who did what he did to him, that fake Ed Burke, I think the council wouldn't have said anything about it. I feel like Prodigy would have turned himself in because he's a narc like that and would have had a whole trial and everyone would have like, actually, we understand exactly how the fuck you did it. You're free to go. And I feel like if they did try to um, rule him guilty, Emma, I'm going to say specifically who's going to have a whole issue with it. Magneto, Emma, Storm, Raven, and Exodus in particular, even Kitty, would raise hell. I'm like, that's six votes right there already that it's going to be a no. It's just yeah, really interesting like, how these rules. Did, did they not in this issue say um, they only held Orphan Maker accountable for two deaths? Because they didn't they say it was they were two unnecessary deaths? He killed way yeah. more than two people. Yeah, yeah he did. I, I, think, yeah, like, because, I think like really? the, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I'm just going to say, yeah. It, <laughs> go ahead, you got it, you got it. No, I'm not gonna say nothing. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it was it was two humans, but he did kill he did kill a lot of people in Arizona. I think really the reason we go ahead. Henry talk. You've been trying to talk. Go fucking talk. Yeah, go talk, ahead. Henry. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I think okay, so I think I think like cause he killed the people who were who were a threat to to the mutants like those like those people whatever they were I can't remember who they were, I think that like that was fair game because they were they were existentially a threat to mutants but I think the police officers who were not involved on either side rolled up because they, it was a situation and they got killed I think what he got held accountable for I think like the other people were in, involved like I think because the Hellions are like are like exports but they have like a little bit of free range to actually kill humans. It has to be like a real justified situation, and I think Orphan Maker was not justified. But I also feel like like Krakoa is complicit because they they resurrected him with half with half with, with like you know half the capabilities of a full adult, and then the whole like nuance of well, you became a man in, in Morocco and a man. That's not technically what happened. He had he had a physical power boost, not a uh, um a developmental one. Like he still is childlike, yeah. And you guys have not made the effort to actually fix that, or like you know, it's even. And the thing, the question becomes down. Let's talk about it. It comes down to autonomy. Like, how much autonomy does um, Orphan Maker have in his own intelligence? Because like everybody can go through resurrection and get shit fixed. Professor X got his legs back. You know what I'm saying? So it is like I don't know. Like, was it fair? Like that whole pit situation. To me, it's very weird. I think the thing that should happen, this is my uh, uh, opinion, I think that, like, versus putting them into the pit, that they should go through, like, some psychic uh, telepathy thing where they're in jail in their heads for, like, 20 years, but, like, only moments go by in the real world. The thing about the pit is it's all performance for humans, and that's the issue with it. Sabretooth, let's be 100% honest, truthfully killed Orcus agents. Truthfully, right, should right. not be in that pit. Not Orphan Maker, who's coded as autistic, 
like that's literally the metaphor going on with Orphanmaker is that he has some level of or- autism or he's on the spectrum somewhere and Nanny yeah. is his caretaker and it's a dynamic that is really beautiful and everything but stereotypically the X-Men have a really bad history with any level of mental disability mm-hmm. and so they treated it in that that whole conversation kind of if you think too hard about it gets really troubling how they chose to interpret everything going on um but in truth the pit is nothing but consequences they can throw at the un and say see if you do something wrong in our country there is no lawlessness you will be held accountable versus in Morocco, where they have a kind of pit but really it's just is not really a punishment in terms of what they're doing. It's meant to be long-form torture because they're like, if you break the law, we'll just kill you. However, in regards to Salem, you did something in particular to war, and that means you need to be punished over a long period of time. It's just, there's no real reason for the pit to exist other than to wave it at people's faces. And considering everyone who has been convicted and sent to the pit, I'm not entirely sure that we're going to get something that feels any bit better. There's like so many conversations that can be had about whether or not that thing is fair. And it doesn't seem like the writers want to engage that because it might transcend their imagination to go, okay, so what do we do for people who break the law if we don't throw them into a prison? Because you can also kill them and then just put them at the end of the line in the resurrection protocol. Yeah, because that's what they're doing. You're just doing it the long way. Basically. Kill Uh, them and resurrect them like 50 years later when no one is alive to care. But I think that 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 would be crazy if Krakoa did like the back in the day, they did those public executions. Because like, if you think about it, you killed a human. Okay, we broke one of the laws of Krakoa. So that means that you should be in prison forever? Yeah, like, where, like, I feel like, and that's, and that's the thing, like, I, like, agree with Steven, where I feel like it feels like human fan service, because, like, what do we have to prove to the rest of the world that, like, you know, that we incarcerate oh person, God. but... Especially <laughs> when there's another set of issues going on as far as, like, you know, that God knowing about resurrection. Henry, you are despicable. So you're going to tell the audience that you changed your... (laughs) (laughs) Don't follow through this. Sorry, I'm going going through ideas right now. I'm I'm, I'm being selective. So he had a full nude. It's a full nude uh, saber tooth. Penis fully erect, dripping on the floors. Um... I still, I still got the hops to saber tooth. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, busty balls as he is, that is, that, that, that's, that's a real. He thing. has UTI dick. I ain't got a vagina. You don't give me a UTI on my booty hole. Uh, oh, okay, girl. He make, he make it my pussy strap rope, but that's fine. <laughs> I love him. You are so you are so you know what? <laughs> Sorry, my internet. See, see, this is the inside of my hole. Once I have strep, strep, strep throat my hole from saber tooth. As y'all see, this is what it's gonna look like. You are so stressful, Henry. 
I, I'm 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 rather vaccine. I'm I'm very annoying. I can't help myself. <sighs> what about the What any other thoughts about Hellion? You'll miss no, it. No, Evelyn, I'm gonna miss my yeah, I have something about Hellions. Madeline Pryor, so sorry. So, Maddie Pryor's comments uh, are really important going forward. Yes. Because Talk about we it. are about to get into a new era. She's going to be in, I think it's like Infernal 2 or something, where she and Magic are going to go toe to toe, um, bar for bar, as who is the witch supreme, the sorcerer supreme of the X Men in Krakoa. Um, by fighting it out for who gets ownership of Limbo. And her comments are really important because they tie into the earlier run of Hellions where she was like adamant about her being pissed that no one was considering her or thinking about her or making decisions with her in mind. And like, he finally got Madeline resurrected, but it wasn't for her or because of her. It was quite literally because she was associated with a man and her the man was also another Summer's brother. And like that's really fucked up when you look at it is that she only had value when she was associated with a summers and that's it. And she's like, this is pissing me off. Y'all not really even paying the fuck attention to me because I'm sitting here saying like, hey, don't resurrect me if it has only anything to do with the summers. If you're going to fuck with me, fuck with me as a person, fuck with me because I deserve to be here, fuck with me because I'm a mutant, not because having wants to fuck me or Cyclops wanted to fuck me or I fucked Cyclops. Go about me as a human being separate from even Jean Grey. And they didn't do it. <laughs> they literally question? only they presented her to him like a present. Does anybody know like which Madeline is this? Or is this like Madeline all the way back to X-Man when X-Man mm -hmm. came from the from from like how far back is Madeline's memories? This is true, Madeline. They have an up-to-date uh, memory of Madeline Pryor. Unless they changed it intentionally to make her, quote-unquote, more comfortable or something, this is the Madeline Pryor who committed all those atrocities. Then why was she in her um, her jumper and not her bad bitch underboob uh, outfit? Yeah, like she was, in the, she was she was in that jumper when the X Men died and bounced and got brought back to life. That's what I'm saying, like, I, Go ahead. I was just saying, like, she remembers like everything that happened, the whole discussion, that everything that went down, she remembers all of it. So it's not like they wiped her memory or anything. I think it's just her doing a whole pretend to pretend thing. She's pretending like, oh, I'm over it. I'm not actually angry. And she's like, no, I'm entirely fucking angry. And as soon as I get a chance, I'm going to burn you bitches down. <laughs> if anybody you know, can do it, it sure is Maddie. She, she, now that she knows she's an Omega, because <laughs> it's not gonna, it's not gonna be a situation where they're gonna ask like, oh, is she Omega? No, she's an Omega level mutant. If Jean is, she is. She's gonna go about this the right way. I can't wait for it. Oh, it's gonna be beautiful. Um, I really am looking forward to her going toe-to-toe -to -toe with magic, specifically because they both have a claim to the idea of like what is it's like to be a traumatized woman who has a right to wield her pain as a weapon. And so it's gonna be interesting. I really just am also just really excited for them to go back to limbo for magic to flex her her magical penis. And go toe to toe with someone that if she, she wins, she will bring demons to Krakoa. 
So, bringing up Madeline Pryor, and we're going to, are we ready to do circuit party? Yes, I am completely ready Mm -hmm. to do the circuit party. All right, so, you know, give my co-host a second to queue up their Destiny X photos. We are going to talk about who are these people in this Destiny X photos, and what do we perceive for these new books that are coming out in the next, you know, in the next year. The next year, it's like everything starts in 2020, right? Yeah, All right. So there are a lot of people in this photo. Uh, for a little, little, little minor research I did by just reading an article in Marvel, that Destiny, Destiny of X is going to be basically a time travel situation. We are going to get to look at the X-Men in different time periods or different experiences in regards to the fact that I believe that Omega Sentinel has talked about these multiple, this multiple, uh, temp, uh, 10th uh, lifeline of morals so that is lifeline A, 10A, and then it's 10B. So I think that's what we're getting. Um, there's a lot of speculation. We also are getting um, some new books. So as it stands right now, uh, only Marauders, X-Force, X-Men, and Wolverine and New Mutants are in. Everything else is out. So coming up, the new books are Immortal X-Men, Knights of X, Legion of X, and X-Men Red. So we have speculations on what those books are. Uh, I think X-Men Red is going to be about Mars and Arako, and that's going to be our space book, even though Al Ewing has left Marvel. Mm. It's a sad, sad, sad sad day. It really is. Because the way that man... Yeah, and the way that man like develop these characters in space. It, it right. Was, it, it, was be- like, it was beautiful. For the run that it was, it was like very beautiful. Especially and with... Ewing, uh, uh, and Al Ewing knows how to write the black and brown characters that no one else uh-huh, knows how to write. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. His wife isn't sucking his dick, I will. <laughs> He's earned it. Wow. Yeah, wow. he's a great writer. He is a great writer. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> Just let that okay, sink so, in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so another book we have coming is obviously Legion of X. We all know that's going to be from the Way of X and the, and the Legionnaires. Um, mm-hmm. and was it what's it called? It's called based like asteroid. No. Is it Ashford L? Or like is or what is this the shit temple? called? It's House of L. The um House of L, the temple House of L, in, L, that's right. Inside Legion's head. Yes. yes. Which I which I need greater explanation because like a lot of that shit did not make sense to me in the onslaught revelation. I was just as confused. I don't know I what think what's happening. It functions like alone. the astral plane. It's and I think that's important too because the astral plane fundamentally has such an important role in mutant history, which I'm gonna get them like to that. Like the astral plane is a consistent part of what makes Marvel's telepathy its own like big thing. Like I said earlier today to someone, I was like, I hate DC telepaths, and yet I love Marvel telepaths. It's a full length thing. It's the whole world building magic system in Marvel, and the astral plane is why. It's the reason why the movie. Um, I mean, the show Legion like, featured the astral plane as a whole setting. 
And it's because it does something fundamental for mutants where, you know, you can exist forever on there, even if your body dies. Um, and I think right. what they're doing with Legion and how he treats it and how he acknowledges it as a safe space for him, and therefore it should be a safe space for all mutants, right. um, is that sometimes you don't want to exist forever in a body where your limitations and the threat of your existence is constantly there. Blindfold fleeing, because, you know, she killed herself in the, um, I think it's Uncanny X-Men previous run, the one that we don't really like because it was so traumatic. Uh, she, when she killed herself there, it was a very clear and bold statement that it was very hard for her to continue living as a precognitive in a world that A, didn't accommodate her or wouldn't accommodate her, and B, where she sees so much danger everywhere that it makes her literally skittish. I think her fleeing to the astral plane is going to be a romantic thing. And for Legion, whose power is always making a threat of his existence, combined with his mental um, disabilities, it does something for the narrative, I think, that there's a temple where mutant memory can last forever. Right. And I think, do, do you, do you, would you speculate that once resurrection is completed, you have to go to, uh, Legion's temple to get the like the, the other the other memories that like onslaught's trying is, is it a race against onslaught to get everybody like with their post their post death memories and get them it's because like he's like he's connected to something in the photo like he has like something I think like so a, I think the astral plane is the neutral turf where your memories just will exist so I think they right. will probably I hope they do at least treat it like an archive or a library where you go to and you go to figure out what things got lost between you dying and you coming back. I mean, I think that's great. So another book we have coming is Knights of X. I think this is going to give Steven what he deserves. Mm, um, I, I, think, I, think, I think this should be, I think this should be our outworld magical uh, um, um, Excalibur books is a painstakingly canceled Excalibur, which is really weird. And you know, mm -hmm. new, mutants, new mutants was allowed to thrive. You know, new mutants didn't have a. That's the thing too. Let me let, let's slide into this because like that last issue of New Mutants was really a final issue. They could have closed yeah. it right there and sold it up, and then we all would have been fine, right? You wouldn't. Am I wrong? I feel like we need that one last issue, that ass issue of what's going to happen to Apocalypse, uh, to, um, to the Shadow, Shadow King. King. Because I feel like um, Ahmad needs to go through something to let us know, like, is it going to be all right for these children who went through so much in this narrative? Um, but I feel like we do need the last one more run, that last, like, this, and then this happened, and they live potentially rather yeah, than live happily ever after. Right, no, I'd actually, you know, I'd actually be okay with them, like Henry was saying, close the book where it is, and then kind of like revisiting that when the like it, the relaunch happens in twenty twenty two, kind of like a flashback sort of thing. I'd be okay with that because I don't, I'm kind of over the news at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, kind of pretty much. And the last, <clears throat> excuse me. The last and final book that we have coming is Immortal X-Men. And for what I have heard in the rumor mill is that this book is going to be about the Quiet Council and the foolishness. 
Like it, it's, gonna be, it's gonna be like it's gonna be the government issue. Yeah, yeah they're like this is the house of cards. Right. Yeah, I also heard that it was um, also gonna be about the omegas too. I could be wrong, but that's also mm. what I heard that it was gonna be about the omegas. I'm okay with that. I feel like by proxy, because they look like they're going to include the Great Marine in their comparisons to everything going on. Because you saw the icons in the background. You got Azilo, you got Sabunar, you got Laktuka. And you know, when the girls come to play, the party is going to happen. You see, Iska didn't come because she knew better. It's not war. This is not a fight. They arguing. That's not a fight. Iska don't don't want to be bothered with nothing on Kokoa. Tarn knows better because Storm is gonna be there. Iska said, "If I'm not swinging my sword, Iska said, if I'm not swinging my sword, then you won't catch me here." Idol don't even need to be there because they already have destiny. It's just interesting that. Like we haven't seen, I think his name is Logos um, Locus as a character yet, because uh, they're holding Aura that. Serata, we've seen Aura Serata, yeah. So Aura Serata, I get him so confused. I think it's because I just did not like Logos's design as a mutant. It's just very plain, I think, compared to everyone. Like, you see, so many mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the one who turns poetry into reality or something. Hmm. He made uh, Storm her knight. Yeah, yeah, I was trying to make sure I had the right person. Maybe we'll see him in X Men Red. Hopefully, hopefully, potentially. Um, that's what they were giving. I feel like the dynamic of just not including that person when you're introducing everyone else has the same effect of saying that this person is going to be important to the context of Storm. Mm. I'm ready to so, see her in action, and that's it, though. I'll like, that's all I know. So we, right. we, we rushed to it. So, you know, every episode we have this. So introduce it. Set it up, Henry. Circuit party? No, we're going to discuss X-Men Red. <laughs> okay. Well, hello, it's me, Henry. Yeah. We're here. I'm going to come on radio tonight. It's me, mutant number six. Yeah. And we're going to do something really nice you guys and guys and babies we're gonna do and discuss <laughs> x-men red yeah are you ready let's so get where ready. do we start let's start with the costume okay so let's, <laughs> let's start with the, go daddy talk about the costume i'll never costume. it's it's one of these moments where i, I constantly try to remind you that i am bisexual and yeah, daddy likes storms, hoochie. I'm gonna give you a high hip, a little dip, a little example of everything. T'Challa, T'Challa potentially stands to lose in his life. Yeah, he stands um, to lose. <laughs> the decision. I hate you so much, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most chaotic episode. <laughs> Is the most chaotic. I like your little condom hat, Stephen. Thank you, thank you. I felt unprotected in the cold. <laughs> it makes you want to have raw sex. Yeah. 
you like that? If you want the half Once again, this is mutant number six. Yeah. The condom had us upset it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what else are we talking about? What else are we talking about? We're discussing X Men Red, also part of the Destiny X, um, the Destiny of X run that's about to pop off. The reason why Storm was featured is <laughs> a new costume. All right, so and her costume you... is a bad ass co- bitch. I have not seen such a, a bomb ass continuation of cost of yes. fly ass costumes yes. in yes. so long. It's like it the best parts get... of all her costumes. It's like a world the stallion. Yes, yes. It's like something Megan the stallion would wear, but yes, to make it storm. And I like the fact that they kind of gave her that. Mo- it's like. They didn't give her the legit mohawk, but it's like you get that mohawk feel from back in the eighties. But right. it's like you see Storm on the Mohawk, as Giannis Orosman said, you see Storm on the Mohawk is not good times coming. Sis is down bad. She just got divorced. She's potentially subs- like maintaining a marijuana addiction. This bad thing's happening with Aurora <laughs> when she has a mohawk. Mama got the banana clip. Yeah, but they switched it up on our asses, so the hair is laid down on the side, but she still got that mohawk with that texture, and I love mm-hmm. to see that. Mm-hmm. Now that's I'm a mohawk. Sitting. Now that's a mohawk. Now that's a mohawk right there. That's the mohawk that we need to see. It's giving, and I like that giving. they adapted the only ever good outfit choice that Jean Grey ever made, which was that costume where she has the oh. jacket. And it was looking a little, it's looking, just giving a little like a 19, like I grew up in the 1980s moment, but it's in 2020. Um, but Storm took it, said, let's give it a little Janet Jackson, just a little bit. And that's what I appreciate about the costume. It mixes so many different eras. It adds a dash of Megan to the Beyonce and Janet legacy that's going on in her looks. Mm-hmm. Did y'all check that core out? But did y'all check that core out though? This was doing some serious stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's doing, doing all the jobs. She is. She's doing. She finds time in her day to kind of like levitate in the air and do sit-ups. You gotta. Can you see that? Her floating in the air, upside down, and then she's doing sit-ups. She don't even need to put her feet up against the wall. Mm-hmm. But it's a warning. You already know it's a very superhero-focused suit, so we're not getting magical storm in X Men Red. Oh, we are. I feel like. I feel like they asked the question in a meeting. I feel like every single time the Zoom goes up and the X offices are together and it goes, should we give Storm magical storylines right now? And every single time I feel like the editor runs down the steps, <laughs> bursts into the meeting and goes, if I hear the word magic and proximity to Aurora, you're fucking fired. Not only you're fired, you're blacklisted. Yeah, I feel, but I feel like they're scared to take it there because I think that they don't want to have her overpower certain people, and I don't think they want her to um, outshine certain people. So I feel well, like they kind of keep her. I feel like certain they people keep, are named Jean Grey. Exactly, and I feel like they try to keep her in a certain space, but it's also a thing where. Um, if she did tap into her magic, like when she was in her older self was in limbo, then her her um, her elemental powers they they kind of start to fade. 
So I don't know if they're kind of like trying to avoid that in a way because I remember reading that issue and then her powers were waning uh, because she got more focused on magic. But I don't know. I remember I, that story. She lost her powers. So the thing that yeah. we always know always happens. She got like hexed in that world going up against Velasco and they locked her powers away. And so she couldn't tap into it. So she went, and then I realized that even without my X gene, I still have my powers. And so she started practicing sorcery and she went as a dark witch at first and she was in a little leather moment, which for some reason, if you turn into an evil witch, you gotta put on a, a bra only in like a skirt panty situation. Maybe it might be armored, maybe not. But then she went, and then I got, I turned 30 and I got over that. And then she started wearing white. It's whatever. I, I think the issue with that and then her powers disappearing and she becomes magical is another thing I feel like about why I'm starting not to like the Hadari Yao title that they give her in Wakanda. It erases her legacy as a mutant and turns into a magical entity instead, which is very telling about why Wakanda would do something like that. Um, just say like, oh, she's a magical god of storms and she's not a mutant. Why would you ever say storms are mutant? We don't like mutants in Wakanda. Um, I think within how magic works at Marvel, they could potentially have her do magic. But I think they just get scared of the idea, even though Thor has magic out the ass. It's a full-blown wizard, has magic out the ass. He's literally got magic, godhood, and a power cosmic at some point. And I'm like, you can do that with Thor, and it's okay for you to do that and have contained stories with him. But Storm, for some reason, <laughs> it's impossible for y'all to do it. I do think there is an agenda in the narrative about feeling like if we make her too overpowered, then like how will we stack her against anyone else? It's completely possible. You just gotta actually know how to write the thing. You have to actually sit there and consider what kind of person she is and how would being that powerful impact her life. Because typically she's more powerful than anyone she ever walks into a room with. And that doesn't change the fact that she had a whole fiasco of a marriage with T'Challa. She had a whole fiasco of a relationship with Forge. She don't know her family like that. She has a whole dynamic with Jean that really needs to be discussed because that relationship is technically not really a good friendship. It's giving Issa and Molly, if I'm being 100% honest. Um, and they truly, truly never want to have the conversations. No one ever wants to talk about the fact that Wolverine seems to be treating Storm like a second fiddle to Jean at almost every single juncture. And I'm like, if I was Storm, Honestly, I'd have the conversation. If Storm died, I don't think they would harp on Storm as much as they harped on Gene the last 15 years. Gene has died 27 fucking times. Mm -hmm. And they care every single one. And Storm has died temporarily once. But she would they give her a monument? The same issue. Would they give her a monument where they change the name of the school from the Xavier Institute to the Aurora Monroe Institute for Mutant, uh, for Gifted Youngsters. No, they wouldn't. Mm -hmm. That's probably the name of Janibus Closet after her, but they ain't getting her. Mm -hmm. And she nice. is the greatest X-Men. She is. Henry? Yes, I'm here. I'm here. Any other thoughts about what X-Men were? Well, I have, well, I, 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 well, let, me, let me say this. Let me say this. I just really hope that after all the love and excitement that we got in sword, that we just did not just throw away Manifold in the midst of all of this. Because I actually like 
you know, like I like Korra, you know, the the uh, the the, uh, the Rocky, like, you know, amplifier who replaced Fabian Cortez. Um, peepers, we're no longer getting peepers anymore. Travesty, honestly. Yeah, like, I think I that's what the Knights of uh, X are about to be, though. I think it's giving Jedi's. It better be something, man. Cause like I'm being very honest, like I really am not like happy that Sword got canceled. Like Sword was one of my favorite books because the characterizations were it, like like we really got a moment to see, um, uh, Gateway Frenzy. Jr. shine the way he needed to shine, mm-hmm. and get a and the way that Al Ewing yeah Al Ewing explained uh mutant abilities almost to the point that they like a lot of people really were omegas and not really alpha level mutants. Um, it was poetry, not, yeah. Yeah, we're not going to get that anymore. I kind of like, I just hope that like whatever writing teams they have on these books, they're good. Um, I hope whatever like um artists they have on these teams are good. You know, well, actually don't have like our problem like DC does. Shout out to Wonder Woman Historia once again for y'all being the shout out. Being the shout best. out, uh, major major love to Wonder Woman Historia. We will mention this every issue we got to. Um, they did the damn thing, and they continue to do the damn thing. Have y'all reread X, uh, Wonder Woman Historia? Even better, reading it a second like, time. Not yet, but it, it, I'm literally going to read it next. I as soon as I finish yeah. this last book. Yeah, I'm, I'm, to, I'm, I'm behind. I'm I'm so behind the book. I I have to order my issue because I want to get with the hype. <laughs> so I'm waiting. Because I really want to talk about those tribes at the end of the book. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, talk about an ethno state. Um, <laughs> it's going to be great. The Amazonians are this is the exactly. thing that needs to realize. Demoscara is actually an ethno state, <laughs> right? I like some right. people say ethno state, I don't even know what the fuck they're talking about because I'm like, Krakoa can't be they, an ethno state, they do, kick. They, multiple they, races. All do kick. they all do kick, that's why they act and like MGH that. kick and MGH. And what's that other shit? Rave, what rave, rave, whatever the fuck. All these, my, all these Listen. niggas do kick. They get online, they do a whole bunch of kick, and start tweeting like it's their fucking uh, Omega level. Like quit inquire. <laughs> right, <laughs> like ugh, just getting loose. Um, blob or blob on uh, MGH. <laughs> oh my god, that was a sad moment. I bet his dick was so big and fat too. Ooh. Sign me up. <laughs> Honestly, that's I agree. I agree. And I think he's way more attractive. I enjoy we actually know that's the thing. Leah Williams uh was the writer for that issue in Age of X-Men, where Blob got his his due as a member of what's the name of that police force that they had in that universe? It was like Department X, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. and so why. she did that. She's one who had Betsy like turn more compassionate and like get attracted to Blob mostly because he had the confidence that she lacked in herself. Um, yeah. She she had, had Blob be um, illustrated in a more attractive way that wasn't literally fat phobia and then trying to depict Blob as ugly just simply because his power made him um, fat, basically. This is a yeah. lot that was going on that I appreciate Leah. And that's why I was like, let me sit here and say, since I don't hate you because I know it's in there, I just think maybe potentially sometimes, you know, as a writer, speaking to a writer, sometimes it just doesn't work out. You have an idea in your head, you try to execute it, and you go, ooh, actually, the ideas might not have translated very well. You know what I think? Yeah. So, yeah. like, I think, like, um, 
when X Factor got canceled, mm-hmm. that maybe Leah was told they will get canceled two weeks before the cancellation because Marvel's mm-hmm. always delayed on stuff and delivering information. That's why we're getting November's booked in the middle of fucking December because Marvel always drops the ball and delivers information. And now you have to stay with an inflection, like it's a question and not a statement. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Shout out to all the hot boys out there who like some of that juicy, juicy cocoa juice. Yeah. I can't with y'all. I cannot with y'all so much. I'm, this is what I'm happens. over y'all. This is what happens when I'm not in charge of the mics. <laughs> really, really, so Beyonce, legit. really, Beyonce. This is the episode where we shifted a lot of roles, just so everyone knows. And so, everybody became versatile. Wild West right now. Wild the wild Mm -mm. surprise. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Okay, so for next Mm -mm. week, do we have any recommendations or any highlights or anything that we are excited for coming? Does anyone have any final thoughts about the Destiny of X photo? Anybody else they want to touch on before we slide? This man's icy sphere. Yes. Um, and he's definitely wearing a jock strap. Um, I just wow. am quest- questioning why we included non mutants in this picture because Deadpool because and Juggernaut. Um, Juggernaut and Kate Pride are in this picture. Honestly, and I'm I want them to turn Juggernaut to mutants. Kate Pride is a non mutant, she can't go through a portal because of her face. I explained that shit, they still haven't care. explained it. It's been a year and a half, and they have not. She can't go through why a portal. She can't go through that goddamn portal. Oh, you basically told her that she's mixed. And she's not. She's not mutant enough. Okay, got mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I really think it's because she touched the por- the mirror, and they're just like, Kokoa they can't even, they even the ass. I want to say it's problem. because she's so much of a non mutant anymore. She ascended that she can't walk through the portal. Because the thing is, like, y'all remember that, like, her ability, her ability is her mutant ability is actually to stay. Uh, uh, tangible, not to be intangible. Her natural state is intangible, not tangible. Wasn't that like a secondary mutation triggered because of the bullet situation? But she phased and she had to stay in a sustained oh. state of phase. That was um, love. To... When you're when you're in love with a big old rush, look at, look at Colossus in this photo. A uh, uh, shout out to y'all added Colossus with the beard band. Listen, we, we love Colossus. Because like he has a beard, Nightfall has a beard. You know, look at some beards in in, in, in the um in the House of X. Beards and seats. Beards and seats. And this is the best thing about the X Men is that so many characters are fuckable. So many male characters in particular have been yes. in a way that you makes you want to fuck them. Also, like, shout out to I'll take on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Friend, friend, you get it. You get a wet for me. You go first. You you uh you you you, you grease the pole. I'll be right behind. Oh yeah, we'll tag team. <laughs> we'll hey, see how hey, unstoppable hey, Juggernaut ow. is. JT and Carisha, ow, 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 ow. ow. I just want to watch. But no, Can we I, know why, why Beast is I was going to say Beast. real quick, real quick, turn Juggernaut into a mutant, 2K 2022. Because at this point, he's only recognizable as a member of the X-Men's, at one point, their thieves gallery, but now at this point, he's an ally. I'm like, there's yeah, no yeah. reason why. Just give him a late term mutation activation. You know, 
like it's been years and not as an adult not that he's not suppressing himself anymore he's over so many of the so much of the abuse he faced his ex gene just becomes active just do that i like him as a non-mutant though i do too and i see that i feel that i don't disagree with that because um, he works in the same way that brian braddock does with the mutants you only know him in the context of the mutants for real for real he can do his own shit separate from them, but he doesn't have to be tied to the X Men because he's not a mutant. Would you want to take my pitch real quick? The addendum to what I actually just said earlier. If we're gonna do a comic where Storm is magical, like X Men Red, okay, have Juggernaut there, and not just as some idiot. Have him as an expert in magical creatures. Because at this point, what he did in the Juggernaut solo that recently happened, where he was like, I don't have power from Sidorak. I had someone make me the Crimson Band spell, and I turned it into magical armor. That turns him into a magician. He's no longer just some dude who's a sorcerer now. Because Kane Marco has the budget. Mm-hmm. And we love him for it. I just have nothing bad to say about Juggernaut. I like him. Yeah, it's like I think like this, and I agree with you. Like after, after the um the juggernaut ongoing that went on, like it was really good. Like I was really like impressed him and D Cell. Where is D Cell? Well, no, no, no. Where is D Cell and where is Gimmick? We have questions. D Cell is back, and I want to say I read that in something. Was it? Oh, it was the um the X Men Unlimited series on Marvel Unlimited. They're both mm. uh, juggernaut is being used as a human ally. Charles, against his better judgment, is using him um, as a human ally to do missions that they can't send mutants on. And D Cell was the one that was um, uh, coordinating that. Chandler, cute. I like that. Basically, I like that. I like them as like an old, like, oh, this is like my cert. It's like giving 11 and that sheriff dude on. Uh, Oh, you know, Stranger Things. Like it's like you're not my dad, but like deep down, like I want you to be. <laughs> it's the Hound and Arya. Yeah, basically, and it's like we're gonna do cool missions together. We're gonna be homies. And if Juggernaut ever passes away, D Cell's gonna change her code name to Juggernaut. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be so cute. Uh, anyone from Marvel, you're listening. I'm open to write that. I'll take that as exception from not letting me write Brother Voodoo. I'm down. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm down. Yeah. Totally down. Like down on my knees. I think we yeah. discussed everyone of interest that isn't Destiny. Wow, so of interest. That sounds up. racist. Shadowstar is there, but I don't like Shadowstar. Um, Shadowstar. Um, why is? Uh, oh, why what? Why why is Dakin um on steroids? Ooh, where don't they? Between Richter and um and uh, Shadowstar. Well, actually, let's discuss that because they were added oh. to the cover, and they're going to be on there along with everyone. You know, Dokken is the Asian. His boyfriend's in the back. That's why Bay's in the back. Looking he like looking like something man. from the Legion of Superheroes. Like he is golden. <laughs> I'm here. I don't like this interpretation Ooh. of Dokken. I like him without the Mohawk. Oh, um, okay. I'm gonna be too. I'm and why is he in his own form? Let him go be Dark Beast. We prefer that anyway. 
He's more interesting. Just go. Shut up. He's, he's evil. Shout out to it's us. Okay. Sunspot being black again. I don't like oh, hello? Beast's old form. I don't like it. Hello? I can hear you. We can hear you. We can hear you. Henry? Mm-hmm. Yes. You're good. So somebody, somebody else say hello. I say hello back. Okay, baby. Oh, okay. It, it was the, the the questioning hello. The... Oh, 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 like, oh, like, hello? Okay, got it. Okay, got it. I was like, hello? Okay, I, can, okay next time I can... I have to be sober on the next show because being high is not working for me in this favor. Yeah, I cannot be this, here at Kokoa Radio. We have a drug-free environment. We we do not the condone only, use of of marijuana. We do Kokoan grown uh, products only. Um, all the shit in Morocco tries to eat you. Right. I'm okay. I'm gonna figure out why mm-hmm. Bessie has on this armor too. She's still Captain Britain. But like she has a like she has an Arthur's armor though, if you notice. Is Arthur's armor? Oh, did she it's jack black. kill his ass? I hope she killed him. Oh. I hope she killed it's him. Black. She, has okay. on, she has on his armor. Oh, she killed that nigga. Because <laughs> I'm like doomed to go on through this again, and and also shout out to Destiny, her her granddaughter, blindfold. Uh, sissy Bobby Daughter. is like it's like trade Bobby now. He's a trade of the season. I imagine he's going full wizard, and that's why we see him with the ice spear because he's yeah. gonna start learning that. I think he's gonna start learning to expand his powers a bit more. That's Shout out to the niggas that keep vexing us by not changing Jean Grey's costume. Y'all keep changing. Oh my god, they are so dedicated. To they wanted to look ugly. They, they setting this shit. I don't up. know anyone that likes this. I sat with me, me and my good, me and my good Judy. Shout outs to uh, former known as Dow Jones. We talk about this ad nauseum about how much no one understands. Why Jean is in this costume? It is not functional. Like, and I, and I'm not saying it from a way of like being nasty or disgusted. But number one, like you 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 dress for showgirls and and um and um and uh and some kind of kitchen show with uh, Gordon Ramsay. You got on these fucking gloves. You look dumb, and you got on a skirt. Like, how are you in battle with a skirt on? And they keep saying that it's about homage. But you don't need homage. It's like there's so many moments you can call back to. I know this is her original moment. It's like, oh, it's her in her youth. Spits for 40. But that's the thing, though. There's nothing iconic or anything like there's nothing about this dress that just screams inspirational. Like, this is a phase that was back in, like, what, the 60s? She's no longer Marvel Girl. She's a grown-ass Right. Girl. Why are we putting She's her in also hate, You are a mother. You are hate no girl. the code name Marvel Girl. I hate <laughs> right. it. Can we get into it? Because I hate that code name, too. There's something so iconic about Phoenix. There was something so iconic about being called Phoenix that I'm like, okay, um, going back to Marvel Girl just doesn't fit because Phoenix, it's, it's a moniker. It's mononym. It's one word. And you get it, and you hear it, and you know exactly who the fuck they're talking about. But it's even more insulting that they're going, "Oh, well, she's trying to to distance herself from that Phoenix identity." She did that in X Men Red. She established so well in X Men Red, like, "I'm not the Phoenix. This is who I am as Jean Grey. This is my powers mean on just my human level without the Phoenix influencing me. I'm very powerful on my own. I don't need the Phoenix. And if I die, I die. Cool, dope, excellent. You don't need to do all this." Yeah. Being so Marvel girl, a it's sad because it makes you sound like a sidekick to Captain Marvel, the cop. B, mm-hmm. like 
you don't need to wear that dress. You're a grown ass. You're grown as hell. And we respect you. You do not need to. You don't need to do this. You don't need to put those gloves on. See, if you're gonna wear the dress, that that dress, you can't wear the gloves. If you're gonna wear the mask, it's either the mask or the gloves. You can't have both. Yeah, put some clips on the side of that dress and put some leggings on. Put some like get some thigh high boots. I would have like I would have been okay with that. Any any other thing we've seen Jean dressed in through the House of X. Anything through John Hickman era, the like the in the in the uh, Jean Grey Emma John size, her um Hellfire Gala costume. Jean wore so many better things than this. Like I don't understand. What did we do? What did we do? Punishment. We did right. something wrong. <laughs> I feel like this what is do- just at this point, it's the writers digging their heels in the ground and going, "We're not going to give the audience what they want." Yeah, like Here's what this- do we do? I think we. Also, I think one of us added them too hard, too much. I energy. want, I want them to not have Magneto in this red and purple outfit. Me either. Can we go I back to the white or the black? White or the black. The the purple and red always tells us he's a villain, but it's like a corny color combination. So I, it doesn't look good to me. He looks better in white or black. Yeah, because I was gonna say like the black with the trench coat would have been fine. Because I'm, I'm a but I, but I get it more on Magneto. Like it's like his one of his least appealing fits. But I look at it and I understand why it's happening. It's not horrific. It's just a classic, you know, superhero look. But Jean's costume isn't a superhero look. You look at that and you go, "Why are you wearing that?" It's not superhero. It's like someone went to the dollar store. Saw a costume that said superhero costume girl, size small. And she got it off the rack and put it on. Emma was like, You look so great in this jean. You should totally wear this. She's like, You think so? You think so, Em? I'm going to look so great. And then Emma Mm -hmm. turns back to the cuckoos and she's like, That's the fugliest dress I've ever seen in my life. I really think Madeline Pryor inserted that thought into her head to put the dress on. Because then you got Maddie also in this picture, eating her alive. I, I think I think Gene is on kick too. She might be on drugs. She got no, because she'd be stronger. She wouldn't just be holding shit all the time. She looking like right. she's about to go make. She looking like she's about to go make some beds and do some laundry. She about to cook dinner for some kids. It, 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 it looks. Like, it looks like. It looks like. It looks like a. It looks like a racist maid uniform, and I really hate to be the one to say that. It was like it's you like it's just, it, mom. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like it's like she looks like a maid. It's very racist. It's like it's like a very like racist maid. Like with the gloves. You know, redheads are black people according to Hollywood. So this is anti-black. Oh yeah, it is anti-black. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really don't like that. Yeah, it's racist. Very racist. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Other than that, I think the only other thing is that we have Bay the Blood Moon as a member of Destiny of X, which I appreciate. I feel like, sis, mm. just come on over. You, <laughs> you, you an X man now, baby. Give her her X, uh, her X symbols as she. Oh, she already got one actually. Her her front her chest plate forms an X across it, which is cute. All right, so yeah, Bay, you prepare. You're ready. Thank you for coming on to the winning team, baby. Um, oh, I hope we see you in every comic. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Babe's like, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. 
period. I feel like she hangs out with Storm exclusively now. Um, they are besties. <laughs> I feel like Bay is the type of chick that Storm likes to hang out with. I'm sorry, it's just the truth. She won't be talking all that much. She's about action and getting that paper, fucking her man. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sleep, cool. uh, sleeping twink is in the background too. And her um and Bay's man is the one nigga that a she can't communicate with and b um you ain't got you ain't got knows. to communicate when you got good dick you ain't got to communicate mm-hmm. if you got good dick you can you put that meter baby I understand everything I need to know yes dinner will be ready on time I mean I'll be like someone walking you got to cook and clean yeah that'll be me <laughs> we're saying Bay has a good dick because that knows all of everybody's secrets yeah Bay don't want Bay don't want getting fucked right. Well, we know. Well, we know. I take that back. Richter, Richter understands her too, because like when they were in um those two issues, was it Excalibur? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was Excalibur. Richter, it was Richter in and out. Yeah, Richard can't away. understand her, even though they've never explained that either. Questions. So many questions. Everyone is supposed to be able to understand her, except Doug, because his power. I think. I guess now we learn that actually Doug does not know how to speak any languages. Or understand any languages, he's always just translating, which is an interesting thing, because it's like he can't. If you can understand Bay, you should be able. It's a psychic projection, so there's something fundamental right. about Doug incapable of understanding her. Um, but it's because because Bay is black and she's white, and he's white. Maybe he don't want to understand her. I said the black woman is going through. So, any other thoughts? Nope. Nope. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. We'll read whatever comes out next week because I think Sword is supposed to come out and something else. Allegedly. Mm-mm. We'll find out. I will say this. Damn it, another thought. Since Madeline is back, what does this mean for Cable? Not secondly, his mama. Mm-hmm. For her. He owns the time machine. He could go and visit her anytime. Mm-hmm. Nah, because like it's cause cause um cause um Scott bad bad mouth his mama. Like, don't you talk to her, your mother on drugs, you know. You can't see you can't see um Holly. It's like it's like it's like losing Nathan. She Holly Berry and losing Isaiah. Uh, <laughs> that said, good night, y'all. Thank you guys for stopping by. Bye. Bye. Somebody, somebody cue up the domino track. Get to no. me. Get to me.